It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's yeah. possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth, you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth, you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah, blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Melis. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your regular routine. We are here for you after the Celtics and San Antonio Summer League game. But really, the bigger story is the Gordon Hayward continued saga that just refuses to go away. I am John Corrales, joined by Sam Jam Packard, and we are brought to you today by our friends at Boston Paintball. Go to bostonpaintball.com. You will get a tour of all of their facilities, and we've got a special deal for that. We're also brought to you today by SeatGeek. SeatGeek, you can use SeatGeek to buy tickets to sports and concerts. It's a simple, easy way, and we have another deal for you there coming up with a special promo code. A different promo code, by the way. Now, let's just get into the Gordon Hayward stuff because we'll talk about Jason Tatum in the Summer League down the road and all of that. But the reason why the Gordon Hayward stuff won't go away, Sam, is that all of a sudden today, Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune said the Jazz are willing to engage in sign-and-trade talks with the Boston Celtics, which on the surface seems like, okay, it doesn't seem to make much sense. But Utah is clearly looking at the tea leaves and saying, all right, we're not going to get anything for Hayward. We might as well try to get something if he's going to walk. If the Celtics need to trade things to clear cap space, if they need things, players to get cap space, then we might as well hop in on this deal and partake in the trade bonanza. But I, I don't get it. I think the Celtics can do better and get more just by signing Hayward and trading their other things. But there are, I suppose, ways to make it make sense, I guess, for the Celtics. Yeah, no, I've done – I was going to say I've done a 180 on the sign-and-trade idea, but now I think I've, I've gone to full 360 here. <laughs> um, at first I saw that, and the, the kind of the frame of the tweets was like, if Hayward's going to do the Jazz a solid, he better demand a sign-and-trade. And at first I was like, oh, come on, that's bullshit. Like, he's just a guy exercising his rights as free agency. He already wrote 2,000 very nice words about the Utah Jazz and their organizations and the man who sold popcorn to him and every single one person who's nice to him in, the, uh, in Utah. I don't really think he owes them anything. Uh, and then Danger Cart came out and he started tweeting that there was a – a possible way in which the Celtics could uh, engage in a sign-and-trade where they wouldn't have to give up um, Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, or Avery Bradley. It would just be giving up Terry Rozier. And kind of the cap minutia there is that you get penalized um, for every time you have a roster that's smaller than uh, 12 people. So if you waived all those people and um, each number you go down from 10 players to 9 players – there's like a, a cap hold that gets put on your roster. And if so, 
Celtics wouldn't be able to have max space if they just renounced those players, but if they ended up trading those players and bringing on another, uh, the player like Hayward, they wouldn't have that final cap hold, and then they'd be able to get it um, all right. And then, so that was, my initial reaction was like, okay, I understand that now. It might not be the best idea just to give up Terry Rozier for nothing, but maybe that's something like a, like a leverage play they can make instead of having to trade someone like Marcus Smart or Avery Bradley. I was ready prepared uh, tonight to come on and have the debate about which of those three players, Crowder, Smart, or Bradley, uh, the Celtics should trade. Um, so I was, I was open to that Rozier idea just because it kind of changed the, the scenario, and it felt like it gave the Celtics more leverage. But then Woj comes out of left field and starts saying that the Celtics are working on a sign and trade that involves Jay Crowder, and that to me makes absolutely zero sense unless the Celtics are getting back more players um, in addition to Gordon Hayward, maybe someone like Derek Favors, maybe someone like um, Rodney Hood, but it just really... It doesn't make any sense to me why the Celtics would give up Jay Crowder, uh, someone they desperately, I think, need next season because if you look at their front lines, they don't have anyone besides Al Horford and Zizic, who I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about later. I feel like Jay Crowder is one of the few players on the roster who can will give you consistently good minutes at the four. Giving up him in trade just to make Utah feel a little bit better about losing a free agent makes absolutely zero sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I understand the whole cap hold and all of that stuff. Uh, it's it's so it's so complicated. And the, the Celtics actually end up getting screwed very hard by this cap coming in lower than projected. And I think they probably were expecting. Uh, obviously, they were expecting something different. They if things had kind of gone as planned and the cap was up over or at even a hundred million dollars, we wouldn't be having this conversation, but because it is where it is, we, this is where we are. We have this conversation. So I guess I I've just basically landed on this, that Gordon Hayward is willing to come to the Celtics for nothing. I mean, for just, just outright, there's no need for the Celtics to engage in this, Unless they are trying to get something else in return. Now, looking at Danger Cart, because he's our kind of go-to guy, there are options if they are willing to include other players, if they wanted to do cheaper guys for our more expensive guys, and Danny could get some return and maybe get Dante Exum. He says a, a Hayward sign-and-trade plus Rodney Hood and Dante Exum for Crowder and Rozier. Uh, and you throw in Jordan Mickey, or you could wave Jordan Mickey, and you stash Yabusele. That would work. If you start expanding the conversation beyond Hayward, then we can talk, I guess. But if it's just going to be Hayward and just trying to extract assets from the Celtics... I, I, I'm I'm out. It's too much. It's too complicated. You just sign Hayward like you would normally sign Hayward, and you turn around and you do what I think makes sense. You trade Avery Bradley somewhere. You maybe get back a player or some pick, some asset in return. You open up the space. Maybe you open up a little bit more space than you need, and you get other players. You get some mechanism to sign other guys, but you you that seems much simpler. It's just much simpler. You, you sign the guy that you want to sign. You trade Avery Bradley because you know what? They're not going to sign him next year anyway. I don't think. It doesn't make sense to sign Avery Bradley next year. You're not going to pay him what he's worth and then pay Isaiah Thomas and then add that to Hayward and uh, Al Horford, who together will make, what, about almost $60 million themselves. So you're not going to pay... $95 million combined for Isaiah, Horford, Hayward, and Bradley. That doesn't make any sense. So if you're not going to re-sign the guy, you're just not going to let him walk. Now, this is the summer to trade Avery Bradley. This is, I don't want to do it, but it makes the most sense. You're not going to sign him. He has value. He's a really good two-way player. He's a potential, or he should have been, an NBA all-defensive team player. He's... He hits threes. He does a lot. 
he could fit very well on a team that that's trying to win. So why not make the move this year regardless? I think it would have made sense regardless if we got Gordon Hayward. So just just do that. Just do that and let's move on. No, it it it's something I've been thinking about all day today because we the CBA, as we mentioned before, with all the kind of goofy cap holds and renouncing all those players, they're going to have to make a deal uh, if they want to sign Gordon Hayward. And it's pretty obvious that it has come down to Crowder, Bradley, and Smart. We saw the earlier reporting from Rona Shelburne. To me, I think immediately it doesn't make any sense to me to trade Jay Crowder. I think people are getting way too bogged down with the idea of there's a log jam at the small forward position and with Tatum and Brown and now Hayward. I just don't think that they really care about positions. Jalen Brown can play basically two through four. So can Gordon Hayward. It's unclear what Tatum will be at this point, but from one or two summer league games, it looks pretty decent, but we'll get to that later. But uh, like I said before, he's the only person who can really give you solid minutes at the four. And it feels like the if for the Celtics to be successful next season, barring not adding anyone like new, like legit rotation players, Jay Crowder's be incredibly important. And that's the, secondly, on top of that, we're seeing the cap, the salary cap kind of flatten and cap space and contracts um, become more valuable moving forward. And Jay Crowder, for what he gives you on the court and his contract of $7.5 million for the next, what is it, three years, I think, is one of the most unbelievably valuable contracts in the NBA. And the idea of just, just kind of trading him to make room makes zero sense to me, especially with the number of years he has on his deal. So then it kind of narrows itself down to um, Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley in my mind. And uh, I think that Avery Bradley, I think, is more tradable or makes more sense just because um, he has a larger salary. So if you're actually trying to bring back a player, a player who like will play this season, maybe someone who can... I don't know, play some uh, minutes at the five, someone who can replace the minutes of Kelly Olenek, Amir Johnson, and Jonas Derebko. If you want anyone of actual substance, uh, you're going to want to trade kind of the largest salary because then you can get a larger salary back. Um, so it feels like Avery Bradley, I, I don't, I have loved Avery's contributions as a Celtic, but trading Avery Bradley makes the most sense to me. Uh, and I don't know why you would include Jay Crowder in any of this sign-and-trade nonsense unless you're getting back multiple players. But even the package you just talked about of bringing in um, Rodney Hood and Exum, as Danger Cart mentioned, it still leaves the Celtics without a front line other than Al Horford. They literally would just be Zizic and Horford, and you just can't enter the season with the, like that being your front line. They have to do something um, – I don't know what the trade is going to result in, but they have to do something that would result in having like some some other person above the six um, ten has to be on this roster before they start the season. No, I agree. I completely agree. That I understand some people don't like Jay Crowder. I get it. That's fine. Those people are idiots. <laughs> I didn't. Yep, that's very true. I don't think it's a very smart take to not like Jay Crowder, but. Fine, they exist. I know they exist because they populate my mentions quite often. So, still, I think you need to have Crowder around for the reasons you said. He does bolster the front. He can go into the power forward spot. And yeah, some power forwards out there may make quick work of him in some scenarios. But you know what? Maybe not. Because the guys that would that would really overpower him... Okay, fine, you put him in the post... If they, if they want to go and, and try to bang down in the post and, and and work down low, you can figure that out. You can double. You can jab. You can dig. There are things that you can do to to handle a guy that's in the post against a smaller guy. And, and Crowder is strong. He's a strong guy. He can handle himself down there. He's not going to play the four very long. There's, like we said, the, the whole positionless thing kind of changes the dynamic, how the Celtics is going to use this guy. So I'm not really that worried about that he's on a great contract he's a great three and d guy he he can play multiple positions this is exactly the type of player the celtics want and if they're sitting there like you got to think about the whole big picture you can't just look in the court and be like i don't like this guy i think he sucks you got to move him i think you got to look at the whole big picture 
Who's getting paid? What's the salary cap? What's the tax line? Are the Celtics, where are they really? And if you look at where the Celtics are now that they've got Gordon Hayward, they have to pay Isaiah Thomas. I think they clearly are going to pay Isaiah Thomas. I don't think they're going to move him. I think he's part of the team. So you've got Isaiah, you've got Horford, and you've got Hayward. Now, those guys are going to account for 70-some-odd million, maybe 80 million yeah, of the of the cap. And so that brings you perilously close to the tax line. So if you're not willing to either go into the tax or if you're trying to minimize the tax hit, then you want to have the cheapest, most valuable guys on the team. Which means Avery Bradley, as much as I love him, has to go. Because they're not going to pay him $14, 15000000 $16 million a year to be Avery Bradley. They can try to get that for a lot less. Maybe Terry Rozier develops into a cheap version of a guy who can shoot and play some defense. I'm not going to say he's going to be Avery Bradley. But when you look at the difference between those two in a couple of years, maybe that's a that's enough of a, a small enough gap where it's palatable. And he's still on his rookie deal. Value. It's all about value. You're not getting the Mercedes, but you're getting a car that is pretty good and has a lot of the same bells and whistles. So a guy like Crowder, it's very valuable in that scenario. That's why they're not trading their top picks because they wanted Jason Tatum to be good and they want to keep him on the relatively cheap rookie deal compared, you know, by comparison cheap. They want to have Jalen Brown around who's going to be pretty good and relatively cheap. They want those guys who are going to overperform their contracts. They want those guys on the roster so the top-heavy guys can get paid and you still have really good players that help you win games. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you're waiting for them to disintegrate soon because their tax bill is crazy. Now, Kevin Durant opted to take a lot more, a lot less money for the Warriors, but they're still going to have a significant uh, tax hit. And, you know, you wonder what's going to happen with them in two or three years. And by then, who knows where the Celtics are going to be? You can't really project out that far. All that being said, it just makes sense to move your big contract Move a guy you're not going to pay and hope you get that production from somewhere else. Jalen Brown can be a really good guy, that a really good option to start at the two. Gordon Hayward could start at the two. He's a capable defender and obviously he's a star, a star level scorer. There are other options. There are guys you can potentially draft next year. The Celtics could have two top five picks next year for all we know that could fill needs in a couple of years at these positions. So. All of these machinations and things it just doesn't, it's too complicated. It's too much. Keep it simple. You got Gordon Let's Hayward. Let's focus on something simple then. Do you think the Celtics with Gordon Hayward are better than the Cleveland Cavaliers next year? Not better, but potentially as good. They are good enough for people to go onto the SeatGeek app and start looking for tickets once that schedule comes out. And you want to make sure you get there and get the good seats at a good price early. Because having Gordon Hayward makes the Celtics even more worthy of your money than they were this past season. And that was a lot of fun. We know SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to any live event, not just the Celtics. You can go to a Red Sox game if you want, or if you're in a different city, go to a different sport. You can go watch a show, a Broadway show if you're in New York, a concert if you're in a different city. Whatever it is, you can do it by opening the SeatGeek app on your phone like I do and looking up the tickets in just a, a, a few taps. I mean, I've done it. I've gone to games. I've gone to NBA games and looked up the the app. I know I you can open it up and you know you've got the green, the yellow, the red dots. I always pick the green dots because that's the, the that's the, the the big value. We keep talking about Ainge looking for value. I'm looking for value too on my seats. So when I went to Milwaukee, I used the SeatGeek app. I saw I got a view. There's a little viewfinder. It helped me get the most bang for my buck. And I know that Seeky grades every ticket based on the value. So I don't have to spend a lot of time doing math, which I hate. It just lets me know what fits my budget. 
And so you know, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop with confidence. So make your SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports to concert to comedy to theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app wherever you get your apps. Enter the promo code L-O-N-B-A. L-O-N-B-A. You get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So download the SeatGeek app, promo code L-O-N-B-A. Make your purchase. You'll get $20 back. Now, better than the Cavaliers? I don't know. But I think when you look at what the Cavaliers are uh, and relying on Kyle Korver again to – he's getting older. I know he's still an elite shooter, but you can still take advantage of of him in other ways. And he's starting to decline a little bit. Some of the guys, that they're just trying to run it back. You could take advantage of that, and I think Gordon Hayward just presents a different defensive challenge that allows the Celtics to do different things. And you look at the progression of Jalen Brown, he's going to be better. I think that seven-game series actually becomes more of a question. And I'm sure the Cavaliers, at this point, you can look forward and say, yeah, the Cavaliers would be favored. But I can tell you this, it wouldn't be... Uh, Cavs in five. I think it would be a much tougher series because you have to pay attention to Gordon Hayward when he's out there. You can't just double Isaiah Thomas. You can't blitz him like they did. You can't just overpower Al Horford. You just give it to Gordon Hayward and say, you initiate the offense, and he can do that. You can run the offense through Hayward for a while, and once they overreact to Hayward, then Isaiah Thomas can do what he does, and I think that changes the entire dynamic of the series. So the Celtics would have a a pretty good chance in that series, I think. What do you think? I'm with you on that. I think that Boston's offense next year is going to be um, almost impossible to stop. We saw how great uh, just adding Al Horford was for Isaiah Thomas. I think in the playoffs especially, it's just with Hayward as a secondary scoring option or even maybe a primary scoring option in many situations – it just makes the offense so much more dynamic. I still don't think um, the Celtics have uh, what it takes to really stop LeBron James defensively, but I don't really think there's many teams in the league that do. But here's my cockamamie theory why I think the Celtics do have a good chance uh, against the Cavaliers. Woo. All the talk for the next 12 months, or leading up to the trade, basically, I would say next 12 months is going to be about LeBron James' impending free agency and about how he's going to L.A., and about where he's going, and about the banana boat, and who's he teaming up with. And let me tell you, this is going to uh, just cause chaos, and the chemistry of the Cavs is going to implode, and uh, it's Kevin Love's going to be thrown about in trade rumor after trade rumor, and I can just see it being uh, a circus that causes the Cavs to crumble, and who's going to be there but the ever-stronger Boston Celtics with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, (laughs) all these people just getting stronger and stronger. I just, it feels like the perfect time to catch the Cavs when they're getting weak. Because if LeBron sees the paint, like the writing on the wall, and he's just ready to uh, bolt to LA, that's going to make it so Love's not going to want to be there. Kyrie's not going to want to be there. And it's just really going to mess with their heads. And you can't play your best basketball when you're, uh, when you don't care about your team and you haven't sacrificed. So that's the cockamamie theory that I'm sticking to. And it's pretty much. Anytime um, I've tweet, you got to give um, you got to give credit to Justin Rowan from Fear the Sword, Cavs Nada. He is like one of the snarkiest dudes on Twitter, and he will like immediately tweet you anytime you say something about the uh, Celtics, which I'm taking as a good sign um, because that means he fears the Celtics a little bit and he's getting a little bit defensive. But anytime he says anything, I just clap back with just like, "Well, LeBron's going to LA in 2018, and it's going to ruin your entire season." Uh, and I genuinely believe that the circus mentality will have a negative impact on the Cavaliers next year. It's entirely possible. It's very much possible. Look, it's still a team that's owned by Dan Gilbert. and They yeah, don't have a GM. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He fired, he fired the GM, uh, was it before the draft? Or right days after before the, the draft. Days before the draft, right. I'm getting my timing mixed up with him and Phil Jackson. They... They fired their GM before the draft. 
They still don't have a GM. They are in this limbo. I, I don't, I don't want to say that affects players, but when your team is doing stupid things, I'm sure there's like a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Love is sitting there like, what do you mean that he's gone? What, what, what is this? And they can blow it off, but you just don't want those questions in the first place. Why would you even want your, your team to be in that sort of conversation? So there's some of that. And like I said, the guys are older. They are kind of looking around and seeing the landscape. If they see LeBron and, and hear LeBron and, and see the rumors about this, that, the other thing, uh, the, yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. I can see that being an issue. I, I will counter, though, with LeBron has been surrounded by controversy basically every year of his career. I, has there been a single season of LeBron's career that didn't start with some sort of discord or uh problem somewhere some sort of question somewhere and and he's still been to every finals for what eight years in a row now i forget, I forget john don't come at me with logic okay and reason for my cockamamie idea lebron it's going to be a locker room cancer right it's going to doom the Cavs, and the celtics are going to lose to the warriors in the finals and it's that's that okay fine all right okay. as long as we can agree with that <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah, we'll just we'll just leave it at that I'm sorry to I'm sorry to try to shoot you down. It's almost as if I was playing paintball. Ooh, you're good at this. You're a, you're a broadcast professional. <laughs> That's right. It's time to talk about Boston paintball, and we know that there's a lot of family activity that you're trying to plan out there. I'm telling you, Boston paintball is a great option. You can take your kids to Boston paintball. Your family, your uh, family reunion, your pre-college going away one last go around with the high school friends all of that stuff you can do any of that stuff with your your friends your family everything at Boston paintball it's not if you you have this picture in your mind you haven't seen paintball in a while it's not what it used to be Boston paintball it promises everybody's gonna love you for this there's three different versions of it kids as young as eight are playing this thing called Splatmaster. The 10 plus group can have this low income, uh, low, low income, low impact, classic paintball. Sorry for that. Uh, and then there's private group play for all of us. And it's at three different locations. So you can choose one close to you or you can choose one that appeals to you. Go to bostonpaintball.com for video tour of these three different facilities. The indoor and night play in Chelsea, the outdoor competition in Maynard, and the apocalyptic cityscape featuring 23 buildings, a hospital, an airplane, and an army deuce in Ashland. Okay? These guys, I keep telling you, but this is really important. These are local people who own this. It's a locally owned business owned by a season ticket holder. So you're giving your money uh, to a Boston-owned business, a Celtics fan. This is something that you should absolutely do. It helps the local economy, and you're hooking up a, 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 a regular Celtics fan, a season ticket holder. So go to bostonpaintball.com and use the coupon code GREEN when booking so you can get $50 off a group package. Get your friends together. Get your family together. Get a bunch of people. Go invite random strangers. It'd probably be fun to go out there and shoot each other with the paintballs. BostonPaintball.com. Make your reservation online and use the coupon code GREEN when booking to get $50 off your group package. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about is how, how, how are you feeling? Like... This this whole saga with Gordon Hayward, like, what was your first reaction? And, and then when all of this shit went down, like, what, walk me through your mind, your 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 process there. I mean, when it, when I first got saw the Chris Haynes tweet, I was at a, a pool. I may have been um, overserved. Uh, I may have <laughs> dabbed a number of times in front around, surrounded by a bunch of. Uh, uppity Philadelphians who really did not care for my um, antics. Um, and then just the rest of the day, I was just checking Twitter because it was all the other nonsense that came in. My girlfriend was very annoyed with me. She said he, she doesn't want Hayward on the Celtics anymore because he's such a drama queen. And at that point, I, just said that. <laughs> I had to laugh. Now all this sign and trade nonsense, who, who knows what's going on? I just kind of wanted to be 
to be over with at this point. And just it, I'm happy to have Gordon Hayward on the team. I think it makes the Celtics ten times more interesting next season. It's definitely what they needed to do with the cap space this year, but. Um, it feels like it's a never-ending saga, and we're going to be talking about the kind of the trade negotiations over Hayward for the next probably twenty-four to forty-eight hours. And I, I just have a really strong feeling that as soon as we stop recording, we're going to get like sixteen more Woj bombs or Sham Sham Wows, and it's just like <laughs> I love the totally Sham Wow. It's just going to change all of this, and I'm just I'm one. I'm here for it because let me tell you. Some of my best friends in the world I haven't met, and they're all on Celtics Twitter, and they've just been—it's been really fun for the past, mostly like a, a week to just be going like back and forth with everyone. Um, so I'm here for that, but I, at some point I just want to relax. You know, we're both of us are going to Vegas soon. I, I'd rather have all this uh, the dust settled, and we can start, um, you know, maybe being a little overserved ourselves and enjoying the uh, in Vegas, not be just like attached to. Twitter all day. That's what Jay King beat reporter will be for. Me and that, you, we don't have to do that. That's right. That's right. I got to tell you, being overserved in Vegas is one of my favorite activities. I'm a very I'm a Vegas guy. I love Vegas. Um much like I love New Orleans. It's I'm I'm part of that scene. I love that party scene. So I I just kind of love being in the in the middle of just people and just people having fun and that's going to be that's going to be a blast. Uh, I did want to get, because this is what we do on, on these podcasts, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, we do get the other side's perspective. When something big happens to our team, it's always great to get the other side's perspective. Now, the other side's perspective in this particular case is the Salt Lake, Utah perspective. And just so happens that the founder of the network, David Locke, I mean, if you didn't know, that's why we are locked on. David Locke, who created the Lockdown Network and is the radio voice of the of, of the Utah Jazz, is very plugged into all of this. And I had this opportunity to speak with him about this whole thing from the Jazz perspective. He's out there in summer league in Utah right now, working working these games. So he's been involved with the Celtics and 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 all of that. So he's gotten all of these reactions. So I got a chance to talk to him. So let's listen to that first. All right, David Locke here joining me now with a car full of, like, first of all, inaugural visit on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thank you. And uh, who do you have with you now? Well, first off, my pleasure. You guys do an unbelievable job. It's been one of the great shows in the network. So uh, thank you very much for the work that you, Jay, and Sam put on uh, with Lockdown Celtics. Uh, to my right, because he's really, really tall and he gets the front seat, is uh, Nate Duncan of Dunk Don Basketball. In the back left corner, who's actually really tall and just scrunched, but behind me because I'm not as tall, is Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Danny LaRue, formerly of Locked On Warriors, but still part of our loving family, is in the middle. And everyone's favorite guest, who I believe is in third place on the most Locked On performances, Kevin Pelton of ESPN. So it's a, it's a full car leaving a summer league game. This is great. This is great. All right, so let's start. Let's start with you. You are as plugged into the jazz as anybody. Your your perspective of Gordon Hayward's departure, the the whole drama that he had to go through, the and what that means to the jazz, the city, and all of that stuff. Well, I, you know, I think it's hard. The jazz have been the model for the NBA. I think at this point on how to build up a franchise and player development and. Uh, you know, how to, how to after, after the trade of Darren Williams and then to have it have such a big step last year. And now, obviously, it has a step backwards with, with Gordon's departure. I think what will be interesting is the organization's got the blueprint and they've built some things really well, whether they can. But it's, it's a step backwards. Gordon's really, really good. He was an all-star for a reason. So I think that will be uh, – it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back, how good Rudy Gobert really is, whether they may have found a gem in, in Donovan Mitchell and – and how, what it takes, but it's a step backwards. Gordon Hayward's really, really good. They felt they did everything right over the last few years with him, particularly in the last few months, and it just, you know, Gordon's got the right to make a decision. He is the, uh, he is the free agent, and he made his, and it's, it's a little bit of a blow to the Jazz. They thought it, I think most Jazz fans hoped and Jazz organization hoped he was going to stay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that it, there's a very appealing thing to, to stay there and see this thing through. Uh, I, I wonder... 
how much seeing all of that talent move west, especially forwards like Paul George and Jimmy Butler, and maybe Kevin, you can hop in on this, seeing a bunch of forwards that could potentially jeopardize your all-star appearances, your all-NBA appearances. You're trying to build a legacy. You're trying to build a potentially, you know, thinking way down the road, a Hall of Fame case maybe someday. You're trying to, you're trying to leave something behind. Going east increases your chances of getting all of that stuff. I, I wonder how much of that really played into his role, into this decision. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say without, you know, getting inside his mind. I, I think possibly a factor, but then also you look at the, the corresponding thing is because of all that talent going west, it's going to be a lot harder to advance deep in the Western Conference playoffs than it is in the Eastern Conference the next couple of years. So I think that, you know, probably a bigger factor in my mind at least. And I'll follow that, John. Uh, Gordon has always felt a little forgotten, uh, always wanted to prove himself. That all-star appearance this year was very, very important to him. I, you know, I don't know for a fact. I haven't spoken to Gordon in, for the last seven years. Anytime I reported on something Gordon-related, I was able to go to the source. So this is the first time for me that I have to kind of suppose something on him. But I think that it is very important for him to be an all-star. I think it is very important for him to be recognized as an important player in the league um, and I think, you know, national TV games and the things you're talking about had probably had a significant impact on this decision. Uh, Nate and Danny, I listened to you guys talking about this move, and it se- there seems to be a, a very stark line between outside of Boston analysts like you guys saying it's probably going to be Jay Crowder or Marcus Smart that moves. Those of us in Boston are very unanimous in thinking it's Bradley that moves. Why are you, why do you guys think what you think? I think Bradley's harder to replace in many ways for what they're going to do. And if they're keeping Isaiah, which it certainly sounds like they are for the long term, I mean, part of trading away the number one pick is the idea that Isaiah is their guy. Bradley's such a natural fit because he can defend either guard position, play off ball, and they're not, he's not being replaced at all by what's going on unless they're going to play Gordon at the two. So whereas Jay Crowder and all of their other guys, especially because they've made this investment in Jason Tatum and in Jalen Brown, those guys are three fours. They're not twos. Yeah, to me it's obvious that if you do have to move someone and there's talk now that maybe a sign-and-trade could make it cap legal to just include Rozier in the trade, but assuming that that doesn't happen, they have to move one of those three guys to make the math work. Clearly, it should be smart to me. They desperately need Crowder. He's going to close games for them at the four. He would still be their best option to guard LeBron James. And then Avery Bradley, who's going to defend point guards on this team if you don't have him? Uh, maybe it could be smart, but then you know, smart, it really, with his lack of shooting, takes away from a lot of what they're trying to do spacing-wise to be really unstoppable on offense. And, John, I would add on, if there's a signing trade, there's more pieces than are being talked about as of right now. Yeah, let's. I'll just throw this out there. This whole sign-and-trade nonsense came out of nowhere, and I get from Utah's perspective, they want they now look at this as almost like a Chris Paul situation. You, you're, you know the guy's going to go somewhere. Let's try to get something for, for this guy rather than nothing. But it, it makes very little sense for the Celtics unless – other players are involved now. If they're just going to move Crowder or Smart or Bradley or some combination of those guys to clear the space and get Hayward, it doesn't make sense because you could move those guys separately and get additional assets to me. So would this potentially be expanded somehow to go Hayward plus somebody else in exchange for the Celtics assets? And, and who could that be? Uh, I don't have the answer to the second part of it, but everything you said in the first part of it is as we drove by Summer League coach Walter McCarty standing by on the side of the street right there. I just thought I'd point that out for all the Celtic fans. Um, Give us a real pronunciation there. It's Walter McCarty. Walter, uh, you got to say, say it like Tommy Heinsohn. I love Walter. The, the madness of the multi-person podcast is starting. Um and Josh is sitting quietly and waiting. I'm waiting for the you. accent to, to bust out. Uh, but I would say everything you just said is is accurate um, on how it happened. Uh, you know, you're right. It doesn't make sense unless 
somehow it's it's a more complicated deal than that. Who's making the run? Takashi, one of the best restaurants in Salt Lake City. Open till 10. Are we getting in? Who's running? Who's uh, popping out? I'll, I'll take it. Duncan, pop. Go. <laughs> Use those six, eight long strides. Show that agility. Let's, let's evaluate Duncan as a summer league athlete. A little slow on the uptake. Not very good cutting. And... Um, We'll see if he can talk his way into it. All right, anyway, back to the <laughs> normal podcast. But by the way, that's a guy who hasn't done enough play-by-play recently. <laughs> this is great. This is this is awesome radio. Well, yeah, or something. Am I going to note that I got us into the restaurant yesterday? Yeah, Daniel Rue, by the way, gets the um, first credit for busting out and getting us into a restaurant that we're, we're pulling off the 9.52 entrances into 10 o'clock closures, which really is the biggest ass move you can make in the restaurant world. I've, I grew up in the restaurant business. Being Greek, of course, my dad is legally obligated to own restaurants. He, that is, we hate you people. We hate when you do that. Everything's cleaned. You're just sitting there. You're, you're running down the clock. It's like it's like that move when you're up twenty and somebody goes for the steal at half court and you're like, what the hell was that about? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, this place, that's this not place is really popular and packed though, so we should be. Uh, they're gonna they're they're gonna have to. Re- they're the only problem is they're so popular that they probably have the right to be able to tell that they're not taking it. <laughs> uh, all right, so I moved you off, I moved you off speakerphone. That, that's all right. I, I suppose we should uh, we should wrap this up then, since you're all probably. Uh, going to sit down. So let's... Oh no, the, imp- the importance of the Lockdown Podcast Network is more important than anybody's meals <laughs> or anything else in the world. Right. It, is, it is the driving force. That... By the way, I'd like to point out I got two mentions on NBA TV tonight. That, that's fantastic. That's awesome. I, I mean, I've been watching some of it and the, these games are on. It's just the timing is so crazy. Like I had, sometimes I'm watching without volume. Sometimes I'm watching on my phone. So it's it's a little. Nut- you should wait. be watching at all times on volume because I hear the third voice in the broadcast is really fabulous. Yeah, that that's what I've been told. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the um, all right. So I'm I'm pretty sure the sign and trade is going to be so complicated that. It's probably not going to happen, so I don't want to give it too much time. I guess since it's just you and I, uh, I would tell you that the vibe leaving the arena tonight was that there was a real chance for it. A, really? A real chance for it? Wow. I don't know what that means, but okay. Well, I didn't get any details, but that's just kind of that was, that was what I was got. How about if the restaurant at 952 is full and there are no tables? Wow. Then, then in the restaurant world, do they seat us? Then, uh, they, I guess. I, I mean, if, if you're an owner and you've got a, a, a packed house, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Uh, all right. Just, all right. I thought I'd get the you know, John Corrales restaurant breakdown. I, I, it depends. You know, that, that's just a pure judgment call because it's, maybe you just want to get the hell out of there and go home and just say you got to lock the door at some point and let people out. But if the guy wants to make some more money, why not? I think we've been denied. Didn't have space. That's kind of awesome. You got it. So if you're in Salt Lake, I always say there's three restaurants that are good enough to uh, to carry to carry in any city. Takashi is one of them, and they didn't couldn't take us at 9:55 because it was too crowded. That's a shame. Now what's Plan B? Yes. Drive through. Uh, well, we're similar to the Jazz at this point that things got delayed enough and slowed down enough uh, that most of the good options are off the table and we're very limited in our selection at this point. Um, and even in that last little minute, some of the free agents have gone off the market. So we're, we're a little limited right now. That's boy. Things are just not looking good out there. For, uh, it's for amazing the- how life has paralleled Gordon Hayward's free agency. That's, that's, that's terrible. Uh <laughs> Uh, maybe there's some good Boston-esque seafood options for you to partake in. Yeah, because seafood in inland is always a really good yeah. idea. Never eat sushi. In so- that that was the joke after the the Jordan game. Landlocked, can't eat sushi right. in Utah. Uh, yeah. So Remember, I was just I was just in the fish market in Tokyo. It's all flash frozen anyway, so it's all the same. Back to Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> 
let me rein this sucker in because I, this is clearly the work of someone who is desperately needing food and a person who's been up way too long and is ready to wrap up my night. So I let's see a final word on on the I get I kind of want to see how the just the reaction out there is because I know uh, four years ago the Jazz kind of weren't still yet sold on Hayward and who he might become, so they let him test restricted free agency. And they kept him. They matched the deal with Charlotte. I just wonder if if any of that kind of softened the blow, like, yeah, we might have expected. He already tried to leave once, in quotes. Is this something you're like, well, we probably should have seen this coming? Or, Or is there any sort of mitigating factor? Or are people just pissed off and there's they're screaming how about there's no loyalty anymore? No, people are pretty salty um, about it. And, you know, I thought that, I think they thought he was their guy and that he was going to be – he's good. You guys got a really, really good player. Um, I think you probably know that by now. Um, he should be – he should help you a great deal. Uh, you know, he's really developed his game a great amount to run in Duncan. Actually, I should send Danny and see if he can do it after the failure of Nate. No, it wasn't Nate's fault. Um so, um, I, you know, you have a really good player. He's versatile. My favorite thing about him is that he, he's a team guy. He doesn't hijack possessions. Um, I thought with Paul George, you could have had some problems on whose turn it was and whose possession and all of those kind of things. Gordon's never going to be like that. Um, he wants the ball late, so when Isaiah gets it three times in a row, it'll be in a, he'll want it. Um, but it's a, it's a case of um, – it, it's he, he's he's the whole you know he's the whole package. All right, that's great. Let's do it. So he's you know he's solid. He, you've got a great player that that I don't have a I don't have a list of flaws that I would give you about him in any way. There's nothing there's nothing other than a than a relentless worker who has uh, turned himself into a great player. All right. Well, I appreciate the perspective. I'm going to let you and the and the guys go. Uh, look forward to seeing you all or some or most of you in, in Las Vegas. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and, we look forward to and it. That, and I, apo- I apologize for acting like a guy I've been on the air for six hours that, straight. Look, don't worry about it. This is, this is more fun than a straight interview anyway. So I, I <laughs> all right. appreciate the Sounds perspective. Good. Thanks, everybody. Sorry, Josh, for not getting my fantasy question in before everything right. went off the rails. Awesome. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye. So from the Utah perspective, I know that it's it's tough to watch a guy that kind of grew up in your system that went like he was this skinny little dork <laughs> coming out of Butler and he's literally grown into an entirely new type of player. He's got better hair. It's like he <laughs> looks like an adult. He plays like an adult. It's just it's tough to see a guy grow and realize his promise and just as he blossoms he leaves and that would be it's it's, to me i would kind of compare it to like a marcus smart like what if marcus smart like he we we keep him in restricted free agency and next thing you know he becomes uh more judicious with his shot he starts hitting threes he doesn't heat check and then just as like everything starts coming together we're like wow Marcus Smart is becoming that all-star player that we all hoped he would be. He says, all right, later, I'm going to Denver. That would suck. It would suck to have that happen. So, but I, I'm always, I always skew towards the player. If you're a free agent, you can do whatever the hell you want and go wherever you want. If you are free to make that choice and they, they can do it. Just like Kevin Durant making a very unpopular decision. To go to Golden State, I, I'm for it. He, he, They had the money. It just worked out that way. That's how it goes. So hard to hear from the Utah perspective, but that's how it goes. Yeah, it's it's tough to lose a free agent for, for nothing. And they're not completely blameless in this. They had a, a chance to, when they're doing a rookie extensions, to kind of give him more money. Um is why he's leaving after seven years when most people leave after or are up for their first big contract after eight years. But it's always it's it's always shitty to do to see that and see that player grow. But it's 
I don't know. That's his right as a free agent. So it's, I understand it, but it's, you know what? <laughs> I'm happy it, is, it happened because right, now right. he's in the Celtics roster. It, the, the, the comparison I was going to see is, uh, just in terms of like a, a body and then like watching him go from someone who's so young to someone so productive is, um, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum feels like he's uh, kind of looks like Gordon Hayward when they when he first left Butler and both that they're both kind of like smaller guys who have all this scoring potential and just the idea of watching Jason Tatum because let me tell you stocks are high on Jason Tatum after two uh, summer league games. Celtics Twitter is all the way in. I'm not sure about our main man Sammy Sheehan. Uh, he was devastated on draft night, but I think even he might be on the uh, Tatum bandwagon because he's looked. Uh, like he's a guy who can score the basketball uh, on at the NBA level, and I know he's playing against summer league guys, um, but I've been thoroughly impressed just with his his shot making ability uh, so far, and little like things about him just attacking the basket. He seems very smooth getting the basket, and his plays in the post have been um, phenomenal. So I'm all in on the Tatum era after two games. I, it didn't take much <laughs> for me to go all in. Yeah, no, it's it's a very encouraging thing to watch Tatum right now tonight against the Spurs 23 points 10 rebounds so a double double he shot 10 of 18 which is great one of three from three couple of free throws uh very positive game overall uh nice to see and like I said uh, or I say it every summer league the success is nice but it's not necessarily telling or predictive failure is very much more telling and predictive in summer if you can't do things consistently in summer league then that tells me bad things but if you can go out there and dominate that then great he's a very gifted offensive player and he's showing that like you said getting to the rim at, not at will, but easily. There are there are shots like I, I look at Kelly Olynyk. Kelly Olynyk in summer league was really really good, and he. I know people will listen to this and disagree. Some people will, but he's he's also a pretty good NBA player. Tatum, I think, if this continues and it probably will, you can project him out to be a pretty good NBA player right away. He'll have a pretty good rookie year. I don't, maybe it'll be on par with what Jalen Brown did last year. Maybe it'll be better. Who knows? You can't tell. I, I, I can say in my comparison to Olenek, what I'm getting at is Olenek did a bunch of things in Summer League that didn't fly in you know against NBA competition. And I definitely see Tatum, some of his drives, some of his finishes. I, I can expect NBA players to recover a lot better than summer league players and challenge or block shots that he is now scoring on. So that is something if you want to dial back the expectations, if you want to have a little bit of kind of, I'm not trying to bust anybody's bubble, but I'm always trying to be realistic. If you want to kind of dial back and get a little more realistic, a bunch of his finishes will be, challenged better in the in the regular season but that's great because he wants to you you need that so he can grow so we can learn oh okay this this works against these guys but not against the great so i gotta adjust and come up with a different move or maybe he's just so talented that he will learn that on the fly and he will adjust himself but i'm i'm at this point happy with with tatum and I know he's going to be forever tied with Markel Fultz, but uh, I think if if this is this is where you start, I, I kind of like where the future is going with him. The thing I think he needs to improve the most is his three point shooting, just because that's what um, how you become a great player in the NBA now. And his shot motion—I'm not like a, a shot doctor, but it looks a little bit funky to me and. I was pleasantly surprised when I saw him do the pump fake sidestep and then knock down a quarter three tonight. I was I was like, that's an NBA-ready move right there. But there's some of the threes he took um, off the catch and off the dribble in transition just uh, – they looked ugly and you kind of knew they weren't going in. And that was kind of a, a question mark about Tatum was his ability – He has he's always going to be great from the mid-range and that ability to create from the mid-range is a, a definitely a skill that not a lot of players have. But if he can 
figure out and kind of work to extend it out to the three-point line, then he becomes that much more dynamic um, and that much more dangerous of a player. So that that's what I'll be looking for um, in Tatum just for the rest of the summer league is how well his three-point shot is uh, developing. Yeah, I mean, it's all about trying to figure out the instincts and and adjustments. So I'm I'm excited to watch him in summer league in person. Uh, also excited to see Ante Zizic, who I think we're starting to see the while the overseas production was good and his Euro League production was good and encouraging, a little bit of an adjustment playing in in the United States, even against summer league competition. He's he's athletic, but he's not uh, he's not gonna. I don't know what's the word I'm like. He's not going to make you forget that he's seven feet tall. You know, he's not one of those guys. He's not like Carl Anthony Towns or anything. He's not jumping out the gym. Yeah, he's not getting much. His his vertical leap is not impressive. That's why he needs that uh, that seven foot frame. But he's not like the most athletic uh, player. And it feels like he. I don't know if he's out of shape, but it feels like there's a lot of occasions, at least in the past, in this very small sample size, where he's kind of slow getting back on defense. And he got pushed around um, on the boards. He's had some good moments, but he's not. There's a lot of people in the offseason where it's like, all right, let's slot in Zizic to the starting center and we'll play him 25 minutes a game. I think everybody needs to slow slow, slow their roll on that one. It just doesn't, um, it doesn't play. And it's another reason why, just to take it back full circle, why in the hell would you trade Jay Crowder? When Ante Zizic is the only other person on the roster right now, other than Jordan Mickey, who's likely getting waived, that can play um, alongside Al Horford or can give you big man minutes. It's just, I think people need to slow their roll in their expectations of Zizic. It's just young players rarely come into this league and just earn like, starting spots. Um, and Brad Stevens, nothing in his history would suggest that he's just fine, just throwing a guy out there and letting him kind of learn on his own. It's like, if you make defensive mistakes, you're not going to stay on the floor. So I just don't think we can really rely on Zizic having that much of a role, especially early on in the season. If he's, if he's still having these small like struggles in summer league, if he was dominating, then um, you think you'd, he'd pass the test and move forward. But right now it's just like, he's still quite young and still adjusting to playing uh, NBA competition. So I mean, people need to slow their role on Zizic it's nice to see just a guy with that size, and the Celtics haven't really had a guy with that size on their roster in a long time, um, probably since Fab Mello, RIP, but Fab Mello really couldn't play basketball that well. Um, and I think definitely thinks Zizic is, is a talent. It's just starting center, uh, I really hope not. No, no, not at this point. Maybe eventually. I mean, it's not it's not impossible to, to think. And look, he, he did just finish, like really just finish, his, his season in Europe and then traveling to the United States, he's got, he went from central Europe to Boston. What a week ago, he got into this country a week ago and then he went from Boston to Utah. So he, his body clock is completely messed up. He's coming off a very, you know, intense season where he played a lot of minutes and then on top of it, he's in U- in Salt Lake City, which there is altitude in Salt Lake City. So there are mitigating factors here that I'm I'm not saying that this that Zizic is an all star and all this stuff makes him not. I'm just saying that he's he's not moving his best. He but there are reasons why, especially a guy that age playing at that altitude with his body clock all screwed up and making adjustments on the fly in a new country with a new system, like that all matters. So I'm not going to go crazy on Zizic yet. I think he's got some, some talent. He's got some skills. He's making some mistakes, like bringing the ball down way too low and getting it stripped multiple times. That is an adjustment that he has to make. I don't know enough of him to, to know whether that is something that's a problem. It's like the Kendrick Perkins thing where you, every time he got the ball, he brought it down to his ankles before he went up with it. But 
that also could be a sign of just being tired. That he's so tired and worn out that he's bringing it low because you that's how you gather more strength and that he can't just like catch it and keep it high and go straight back up with it. So I'll, I'll give him a much, much longer leash when it comes to his performance and how well he's moving and the decisions that he's making because his adjustment is bigger than anybody's on this roster right now. Uh, other guys of no, I mean, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown just, I think, kind of took a step back, like willingly. I don't think he was all that aggressive. So I, I still stand by my comments that Jalen Brown is probably too good for summer league. And, and I wouldn't mind if he just maybe stopped playing. Uh, although I'd love to see him play in Vegas. I, I just, I, I'd be okay if he didn't play anymore in summer league. <laughs> There's no need. He's clearly was much better than everyone else on the court. And I agree. I think it seemed like he was let the other guys take. It seemed like he was more for trying to facilitate offense for others tonight than really was like dominating and being best player on the court. Um, so I think that's just a good sign. You would want the you want someone who has a year experience to go and just play that much better. I think we saw Terry Rozier do it last year. It's just players who have a year in the league should be better than all these people like in their first go round. I think we're seeing I, – I mean, I really don't know how much to buy into Abdel Nader just playing like not dominating but just being a solid basketball player. It feels like there's going to be – this. I feel like Abdel Nader is going to be on the uh, the red claws for the entire season. And then a lot of Celtics fans are just going to be like, why isn't he getting any minutes? And But there's just going to be no space on the Celtics roster, and we're going to do that for an entire year, and then Abdel Nader will eventually find his way on another team. Because he seems like a solid player who could like definitely be the 13th, 14th, 15th guy on a team. Um, it just doesn't seem like, especially with the Celtics' wings right now, that that place is on the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I, I just don't – I've been looking forward to having him around. But, yeah, I'm kind of in the same place. I would think uh, – I would think that there's some value to him as even in the, you know, the rights to Abdel Nader in a trade like Avery Bradley and the rights to Abdel Nader to get a a good young player, you know, like like he's a a sweetener that you could throw in. You don't need him, uh, but he's potentially good enough to be worth like the chance for another team. So if you're trying to extract somebody good, that's young and doesn't make a ton of money, I I feel like he's one of those guys. You can be like, yeah, you know, here's here. You have a space, you have an opportunity. You can sign him and try this. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm overvaluing uh, him too. I'm not saying that he's anything particularly great, but you see the, you see the promise. He's out there. Like I said before, the success isn't necessarily predictive, but it's nice. And he's had success in two straight summer leagues and throughout the the D-League season. I know what kind of caveat that comes with, but still, it feels like he's got some value there somehow. Yeah, you know we've reached the – we're getting towards the end of uh, tonight's podcast and we start doing the deep dive on Abdel Nader. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Millie said in the intro, we're so in-depth, we might do a full episode on the D-League, so – Yep. That's what you get when you subscribe. Smash the subscribe button on everywhere you get to podcast. Is there are, are there any junk drawer items tonight? Um, I I started a Google Doc, but then just this sign and trade nonsense. Oh, yeah. I, here's one thing. I really love that Jason Tatum is described as an old soul. Uh, I don't know why. I just like has all the phrase "old soul" to describe someone has always amused me. Uh, he seems like a really nice kid, but just like that Jerome Allen and all the coaches are just like, man, that guy's an old soul. He's just a really great in the locker room. It will make me laugh every single time. So old soul Jason Tatum, I'm here for that. That's all I got. <laughs> that's, that's There's got to be a nickname in there somewhere with that. Uh, I'll, 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 we'll start workshopping. If anyone's got a nickname, oh, oh boom, I thought of my other, uh, my other uh, uh, Jams Drunk Court thing. So we are heading to Vegas. I think we should do, both develop – um, some goals for Vegas while we're at Summer League. My goal is to um, meet Brad Stevens and ask him a bunch of non-basketball related questions. Mm. I just want to know about like his favorite band and um, what makes him smile. 
other than basketball. What would his favorite band be? Huh? I have no idea. These are the the things I want to talk to Brad about because I feel like a a bunch of people walk up to him and ask him all these questions about the Celtics and all this stuff. It's like, no, Brad. It's like, I want to know what your favorite meal is. I want to know what was the first concert you went to or what's your like guilty pleasure movie. Because we don't know any of these things about Brad Stevens, and if someone needs is going to pry that content out of him, I think it's going to be us. I feel like yes, it's true. We're, we will ask the completely unimportant questions. Uh, I feel like he's he might be like a jam band kind of guy, like I don't know, like Allman Brothers or maybe. maybe I, I feel like you got Chicago a, a decent amount of reefer to get into jam bands, and he doesn't seem like a the reefer type. Mm, true. Maybe I'll ask him about his past recreational drug use. Who knows? You never He's know. Like, like, Jam needs to talk to Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I I have to work on my goals. I don't I don't know what my my goal would be. Well, if the fans want to suggest anything, they know to use the hashtag Rain and Jays without it a G and raining. So send us what the goals should be for Vegas. Like we can, we can knock some out um, pretty easily. But we, yeah. we need to hear from you guys. My goal would be, I guess, to survive, uh, or maybe that's always goal one. That's always goal one, and and maybe to somehow uh, get you to get that tattoo you would regret. Um, because as far as I know, you're ink free. I am ink free. I was thinking yeah. about getting a, a clover with Brad's name in it. Yeah. I think that so. I would regret that for a while. Yeah, I think that would be that'd be a solid bad choice for you. That would be a great story somehow. And and I know me. I if that happened, I probably would get involved with it somehow because I am inked and I would be like, "Let's go get tattoos and and yeah, that If I can somehow get Brad Stevens to choose what the tattoo image will be, that I feel like I'd have to do it. Ooh. Yeah. New goals. I'm coming up with new Brad Stevens related goals every hour. That's awesome. I love that. All right. Let me let me stew on that for a little bit. In the meantime, while I'm stewing, you should be subscribing to the Celtics, to the Lockdown Celtics podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, some other app that I don't know about. If we're not there... Tell us about it. We will get there. If you uh, want to give us a five-star rating, I would really appreciate that. Leave us a little review. That's like paying us. And like, since we're on the Millie's thing, like he said, probably should pay us, but it's a freebie. That's how you pay us. A five-star review, uh, and a five-star rating, and a, a positive review so other people can know how great we are. And yeah, it's our numbers are out. Are, out of control now people are more people than ever are listening to the lockdown celtics podcast as they should and one final word if you're an advertiser looking to get in on this action because you should get on this sweet sweet action and you could pay us money to have us talk about you on the show locked on celtics at gmail.com locked on celtics at gmail.com we got the demos are great the and I will give you all that information. We're the place. Podcast advertising is hot. It pays off. It's great value to bring it full circle. Great value. Just like Danny Ainge wants to get with his trades for uh, Gordon Hayward in the sign and trade or to clear up cap space. We'll see how that all works out some point soon. And we'll be here to talk about it on the Locked On Celtics podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.